To all my heaven hills and lockdown defenders, welcome to the Lockdown Davis Podcast, episode 27. We back in the building, man, each and every Tuesday, right back down here. YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, you name it, we doing it. We back in the building, man, we here, episode 27. Hey, man, I want to thank everybody that listened to the podcast last week. The Sports Talk Show and, sport, and episode 26 of the podcast did exponential numbers last week. Appreciate everybody's support and love and finally checking us out and bringing that extra energy to the podcast and the channel, man. As always, like, comment, subscribe. Tell us how you feel on any platform that you're listening to. This too. Appreciate everybody's support. Appreciate everybody's love. And we're just, we just the beginning, man. We can't keep doing this thing, man. It's just here to stay. Episode 27 of the podcast. About to do episode 10 of the Sports Talk Show. So check us out Monday and Tuesdays each and every week. So, man, we're going to get into a lot of news today. We got a lot of heavy hit news today. We got a lot on the docket. We're going to talk about the NBA first. Uh, we're going to do some hot game takes. We're going to talk about KD going back to the Bay. We're gonna talk about the 76 in the Jazz game. I'm a little bit, little bit, uh, little bit disappointed in that game, man. I was hoping Joel and P would play, and uh, it didn't turn out that way. And you know, and it was definitely a different dynamic to the game, you know. Um, but I was looking forward to that game being a powerhouse game. But no Embiid, man. But we still gonna break it down. We still gonna break it down. Uh, we're gonna talk about the All Star game. Um, the players and the owners, or the governors, whatever you want to call the NBA front office, you know, they are at odds, you know, about the whole idea of playing the All-Star game and what the dangers are. So uh, we're going to talk about that. We want to debate that real quick, say, tell you how we feel about that and see how uh, the NBA should conduct themselves in this regard. Uh, we'll talk about the Suns, white hot Suns, I'm telling you. Them boys are balling out here, man. The last 10 game stretch, we want to review that real quick, talk about exactly what's been going on in Phoenix and how they're getting it done. Then we're going to talk about a few teams that are on the fringe of being very inconsistent. Um, uh, namely the Nuggets and the Mavericks. I'm going to break them down real quick. and Because uh, I picked them to be, you know, taking extra steps this year. I mean, these had good showings last year, you know, in playoffs and otherwise. And, you know, they you know, so let me know that they were going to be here to stay. But they've been really inconsistent. And I think I know why. So we'll talk about that as well. I'm going to break, break down real quick what my MVP rankings are, one through five at this point, who's uh, at the favorite and who's uh, in the hunt. Then we'll talk about this debate about the national anthem. We're going to talk about that as well. Uh, the the Mark Cuban-led Mavericks, he, they uh, broke news this week about the anthem, so we're going to discuss that. Uh, Giannis has some comments to, talk, to say about what he thinks is the best in the West, and we'll discuss that. Uh, we'll do a player spotlight on four players. I think they've uh, been showing up and showing out this week um, in, in NBA. And uh, then we'll get into NFL. I mean, NFL is no shortage of headlines, man. I figured I had, since the Super Bowl was over, it might be a little shortage on news. But I tell you, the NFL always give me one. They definitely give me ammunition to keep doing NFL news. So we're going to talk about that. We'll talk about the, the quarterback uh, carousel, we're going to call it. And um, what I think is uh, movement that the, these quarterbacks are taking, the stance they're taking about their careers. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Bucks one more time and how we feel like they finished and how do you what their chances are to repeat. Um, then we're gonna get into this Deshaun Watson story and then how uh, the difference between him and JJ Watt, you know, are making headlines. We'll talk about that. And then we'll discuss Urban Meyer and his tone deaf hire that he had this week, and he definitely left some questions on the table as regarding that. Um, so then we'll get into that and uh, we'll discuss briefly before we wrap up NFL about what potentially the salary cap changes could do to the league in the resigning period. Uh, then we'll get into Lakers locker room. We'll break down uh, the week's games just passed. We'll talk about LeBron uh, and AD, uh, mainly AD. I mean, we'll talk about his injury and uh, what that means. Um, we'll talk about uh, what we feel like is right and wrong with the team. And uh, we'll break down that and we'll get into our upcoming games. 
then we'll end up with a fourth quarter closeout. We'll give out awards for breakout play of the week, lockdown defender of the week, and big dummy week. So stay tuned for that. So, man, let's get into who's in the news, man. Let's get it. Let's talk who's in the news. Let's start with the NBA. Oh, man. Uh, bittersweet. I mean, I had, you know, great anticipation and great, uh, you know, my fandom was high. Let's say it that way. My fandom was high when it comes down to these marquee games that I was uh, pinpointing and watching and, you know, with great lore, you know, when uh, KD was due to go back to the Bay Area for the first time and play against the Warriors. Um, same vein, <laughs> the Nets and, uh, uh, you know, playing against the Warriors, of course, and then the 76ers last night playing against the Jazz. Now, again, you know, I had very high hopes in, in these games coming in to them, but they didn't live up to the hype. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. They didn't live up to the hype, you know, for, you know, for a few reasons. I think, you know, of course, the Nets are far superior in talent-wise, and they had all their weapons that day. Um, they're in their big three, um, playing against the Warriors. And the Warriors just not built yet to compare that thing, compare that type of onslaught. It's just not, you know, Steph has been magical. I will talk about him a little bit later, but he's been magical, but <laughs> that's it. That's it. Again, a crowd NBA says about the fact that Clay Thompson is not on the scene right now, because it'd be a holistically different outcome and outlook for them. You know, they're still kind of hanging around it. Technically they see now and, things of that nature, but it's just, they just out, they were just outmatched. You know, I mean, only thing I was looking to see, you know, I didn't wish it, but I was kind of curious about whether or not there was going to be bad blood, quote unquote. Um, you know, Steph and KD have said they're friends, they, they're boys. There's no bad blood between them, but the Draymond KD thing was kind of interesting to me, but they hugged, you know, they dapped up and they hugged and they embraced and, you know, it was all good. So no outstanding beef beyond that. You know, so it calls kind of calls into question, you know, about KD leaving and, you know, they saying him getting into it with Draymond was a catalyst for him leaving, but maybe it'll just premeditate. Like he came there to win, you know, a certain amount of championships in the time that he signed for, and that was just going to be it. He was going to be out regardless, you know, I don't know. Well, you know, he wanted to go somewhere and forge his own legacy after he won a few, you know, and kind of do what LeBron did and, you know, go to different multiple cities and win titles. I don't know. You know, so was it that big of a deal if him and Draymond don't have any outstanding beef? I don't know. I don't know. But again, I mean, wasn't much of a game. <laughs> you know, the, the big three showed up, showed out, you know, uh, Kyrie, KD, and Harden had good games. You know, I wasn't one world beating, but they didn't have to. I mean, KD had 22, you know, Harden had 28, Kyrie had 22, you know. The only thing notable from the uh, Warriors side was Steph had 27. You know, the only two and nine from three, though. You know, so... Eh, you know, I guess it didn't live up. So the, the most hype we got is when KD and, and Draymond stepped to each other at half court, and then instead of jawing, they brain breaks, and that was just pretty much it. You know, so it didn't garner as much drama as we thought. So, and then like I said, the Nets game, you know, wanting to walk off. So it is what it is, which I expected, to be honest with you. I'm not going to act like that and think the Warriors were going to win this game. I didn't think that. But I mean, uh, just the. Just the drama, you know, behind it was interesting enough to make it a hot game of the week. And it didn't live up to it. It was kind of cold. You know, in the same vein, the 76ers and the Jazz. I mean, we're talking about the two top teams in the, in the league right now. And one, one on the East and one on the West going head to head. But no Joel Embiid. I was hoping. I mean, because he sat out the game before that. I was hoping so he rests his back. He'd be all right. He could play in this game. And we're going to get a bond burner. Boy, was I wrong. 
<laughs> boy was I wrong. Now we got some notable, you know, performances from people that you didn't see on paper going in that they were going to play well, but you know, knowing B made a difference in this game. I'm I'm just gonna say it. You know, it's just the the Jazz led most of this game. You know, and it's just Ben Simmons had a great game. You know, and I still I still cringe at the idea of Ben Simmons in certain regards because he just does not shoot the ball well. If you can get he can get in the lane, he can play around the basket, he'll give you big points. He had 42 points in this game. Nine rebounds and 12 assists, one of rebound away from a triple double. Now, the unlikely person in this particular scenario and situation was uh, Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson had 40 points off the bench. 40 points off the bench. Um, and that was the definitely the difference maker. You know, because, I mean, Donovan, you know, was good. You know, he you know he was himself. I mean, you know, he did, you know, you know, he did his thing. He had 24 points. You know, uh, Ingles had 20, you know, but that 44 Clarkson off the bench, a 13 to 20 shooting, 8 of 13 from 3. He made 6 out of 7 of his free throws off the bench. 40 off the bench. Like, that's almost unheard of. So, no Embiid in this game, you know. Tobias Harris had 36, you know, but it wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. He needed Embiid in this game. He needed Embiid in this game. Danny Green was small. You know, Seth Curry had, you know, 11, but he was, you know, one of four from three, you know. So, hey, man, what can you say? I just, I, I missed out on this one. I was really looking forward to this being a bomb burning. And, you know, it's youngs, young versus young, you know. You know, it's, it's, it just didn't work out that way. You know, of course, the Jazz won it, you know, with no NB, you know, it was, what, 134 to 123. But I say, you know, you know, I wish the NB had played and, might have got a different outcome, but it is what it is. So let's talk about this all-star game debate. Let's just talk about that. Let's get this out the way. Now, you know, LeBron, Kawhi, you know, a lot of the big names in the league of express their opinion. Now, apparently, you know, from what I've read that the all-star game is signed to take place, right? But clearly the players have an issue with this being, being it's a pandemic and We've already had multiple issues and protocols had to be enforced and it's very different even when travel with the league as a whole and keeping people safe and away from this virus, right? So they have expressed their opinion about the fact that they don't think the game should be played. And and we all know, I mean, we're just not going to belabor the point or beat around the bush. We're going to sit here and say that the NBA, <laughs> taking the page out of NFL's book, they're just about the money. In this regard, they want they want the TV revenue, they want the stadium revenue for whatever they can get, you know, commercial revenue, anything they can get revenue wise, and from at least the All Star game and make that money off that game, they want. Now, that's completely you know superseding the idea of keeping the players safe and playing the quote unquote meaningless game. I mean, the game doesn't matter. I mean, it's not even like the uh, you know NBA you know the Major League Baseball organization where the All Star game winner. You know, the, that dictates who plays home in the World Series, you know, and stuff like that. So it's not like that at all either, you know. So it's really nothing to be gained outside of a pickup game and making money off of it, you know. You know, again, you risk putting people at risk and, you know, you haven't had necessary travel and people have to play a meaningless game. You know, most people don't get hurt in, a, in an all-star game. That being said, I mean, that's a good thing. But, you know, it's still a risk. It's still a, a risk. They don't, and players express, express the idea that they don't want to do it. And I agree with them. 
You know, it's just really not. I mean, you already forced us back early to get the money that you were going to lose. You know, if you hadn't started at the time you started, we gave you that. You know, I'm sure that the idea of losing the All-Star game money shouldn't be a deal breaker. But I mean, I don't know the numbers, but, you know, it's almost like a, it's almost a greed thing. You know, it's not like it's 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 going to make or break, you know, people's ability to function. You know, like back in the day where teams were, you know, paying, trying to pay, pay, make money to stay alive week to week, you know, like the Negro Leagues and things of that nature. They were trying to make next week's payroll. And it's not that, you know, I'm just worrying about, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, which is a very first world and, you know, rich per up people problem to have, you know, just be honest. So. I agree with the players on this one. They shouldn't have to play this game and they shouldn't be forced to play this game or, or, you know, honestly, truly, you know, just be post, you know, posterized in front of people just to play a meaningless game in a pandemic, in my opinion. So I don't know what the NBA is going to do. I mean, I will assume unless, you know, something drastically changes, they're going to play it. But I mean, again, you're going to get a people, a bunch of people that's really don't want to be there. And if I was them, you know, when you talk about, coaching and playing in it, I'll be like, play me minimal minutes. You know, I don't want to play a large amount of minutes in this game. Just put me out there for the first and fourth quarter for a few minutes and I'm good. I'll sit on the bench and, and be quiet. <laughs> you know, let the young guys play. Almost like the rookie or sophomore's game. Let that be it. You know, let them play. Let them get some love and some fanfare. If I'm, if I'm, a, if I'm a established vet, I wouldn't trip, honestly. But we'll see. We'll see. Well, that's somebody's hot sons, man. <laughs> I, I I pinpointed them as being a team to watch in the beginning of the NBA season, and I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong, especially these last ten games. I'm here to tell you, these last ten games in in, in the particular uh, annals of the Phoenix Suns uh, rise here have been great. <laughs> like, I mean, is I mean, you can't underscore the fact that they've been playing really good team basketball. It ain't just about Devin Booker. It ain't just about uh, Chris Paul. You know, it's about everybody, you know, and, you know, not, a lot of these cats are young guys. They're not, you know, you know, CB3 is the oldest guy, I want to say, on his roster. Honestly, I feel like he's the oldest guy, you know, so, you know, which is great for them, you know, in that regard. But I mean, I want to say what out of last out of last 10, they're eight and two, you know, so who? I mean, what's not to like about that? I mean, playing high, white high basketball. And, you know, you can't criticize their record at all either. Is because they uh, have beaten good teams. They've beaten good teams. Like, it's not been, I've been cakewalking over, you know, the Magic, you know, or somebody like that. I've legitimately been beating good teams, you know. So let's just run through it. It did beat the, I brought the Magic up. That's funny. It did beat the Magic in the last game. Right. Uh, but the game before that, they beat the 76ers. They beat the Bucks before that. They beat the Cavs. Then they beat the Celtics. They beat the Pistons, who was a very underrated team. The Pistons are a very underrated team, and they give everybody a good game every night. They happened to lose to the Pelicans, which was an odd game. But um, then they but they beat the Mavericks twice above that. So, I mean, you know, and they beat the the, the, the Warriors before that. So, in the last game before that, they, they lost to the OKC, which is weird again. But you know, Chris Paul's return to OKC, you know, playing them. But, but again, basketball, basketball. I mean, Devin Booker's been the headliner in this whole entire onslaught of, you know, in most games. He's been a leading scorer practically every game. You know, Chris Paul led one. Uh, Bridges won, 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 you know, he, he, I guess he led one, but most of them been Devin Booker. You know, 
27, 36, 30, 36, 23, 25, you know, oh man, great basketball. Been great basketball. And I, if you've been listening to my podcast and I've been saying this and I'm gonna say it again, Chris Paul is the reason. And he, he gets highly undersold in his value. He goes places and he changes the culture. Now I'm not saying he's Tom Brady level culture changer, but he changed the culture. You know, he, he makes people believe. And I think, you know, Dennis Schroeder prime example, just recently, he did wonders for his career and gained still in confidence in him playing OKC last year. He's doing the same thing for Devin Booker. So me right now, Devin Booker is an early MVP candidate. If you look at the numbers and his, in his effect on a team and they're winning, you know, but on top of the fact that Devin Booker has been the, the man and have been able to use his energy on the offensive end and be able to uh, play off the ball, CP3 being a point guard and a facilitator, you know, he's not only getting Devin Booker his shots and not and getting shots of his own, but his team as a whole has been playing good basketball. And, and that's a great problem to have. When you have balanced scoring, you're not relying on your big two or three guys to do it every night and you don't, if they don't do it, you lose. That's a problem for a lot of teams because when those two guys aren't playing well, they had to sit out a night, they can still win a game because guys are scoring 15, 20, 25 points on top of what Booker and CP3 are doing. That's, that's can't be undersold. Now, if they can contain, sustain and contain that, you know, they can keep the ideology going, that that's a problem for a lot of teams in the league. It's a problem, you know, and the only thing that really, truly calls in the question for me in this team and their mindset going into the playoffs is that they're young, you know. And I, like I said, they were the hottest team not to play in the playoffs last year. And they was the travesty they didn't make it. They could have shook up some things. But CP3 being there it totally changes the world for them. Totally changes the world for them. And they're, you know, at the top. They're second in the, in the, in the West. Who would have called that? I knew they were going to play off team. My gut told me they were going to be a playoff team because I, I believe in CP3 and I always have. You know, but, you know, Devin Booker is, is, a, is starting to make it. But I didn't think it was going to be this good. You know, and just, again, it's indicative of that culture change. Like, they were a good team last year. They were hot late. But that leadership, that veteran, true veteran leadership, and people buying into being a strong voice in the locker room, the CB3 has garnered for them, has made them take leaps and bounds above everybody's expectations. And that's great. That's a great thing. That is a great thing. I'll tell you that. That's a great thing. Because, uh, yeah. I, and I think it'll continue. I think it'll continue. It's just really what, how they play playoff basketball is really is the issue. Now, if they play, if they play balanced scoring basketball and where, everybody's contributing this whole season, that's a problem because that type of mindset, that type of uh, system can win in any environment, in my opinion. So that's a problem for people in the West. But it's just a question of you know how you, people seize the moment and how they rise to the occasion because playoffs are a different animal. Now, you know, so when the bright lights is on and the pressure's on and it's when to go home, that changes people's play in certain guards. Either you rise or you shrink. It's one or the other. You don't, you don't, you do one or the other. You hide or you 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 step up and you and you like look. I'm here to play. I'm here to stay. Did that, that that's the only caveat that I have with this team. Outside of that, top to bottom, it looked great. It looked great. You know, I feel my, I got my chest out because I'm like I knew they were going to be good and they exceeded my even my expectations. And I like to believe it'll continue. So we're gonna keep watching them. We're gonna keep watching them. I'm tell you, the Suns are here to play. Here to play and they're here to stay, man. They're here to play and they're here to stay. 
in the same vein, talk about West teams. I had high hopes for the Nuggets and the Mavs too, as well. And uh, in in my issue is that they're so up and down, you know. When the Nuggets, you know, Jamal Murray and Jokic, you know, big Joker, you know, I've, I had high hopes for them because of how they, well they played last year in the bubble, right? Same thing with the Mavs. You know, the Mavs had them end up losing those to come to the Clippers because Porzingis got hurt, but they 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 took leaps and bounds. You knew you were going to get Porzingis back, and he's finally back now. He's starting to round out in shape, but they're still inconsistent. They lose games you would think they win, and they win games you think they would lose, you know? And, and the staunch difference to me when it comes down to the Nuggets and the Mavs, you look at those teams and you look at the Suns, the staunch difference, in my opinion, is the veteran leadership. And I think their ups and downs and their ebbs and flows comes from the fact that they're all young and all inexperienced, you know, for the most part. You know, yeah, you might have veterans on the team. Say, yeah, Coach Defense, yeah, they got veterans on their team, but they don't have leaders and veterans that have done this before, like Chris Paul has. Chris Paul has gone deep into the playoffs several, on several occasions with several teams, you know, so he's done this before, and he's just a natural-born leader. Some people, you just can't coach that type of thing. You know, you can't teach how to be a leader in a lot of regards. You can't teach it. You know, you just have it, the ability to be at the forefront, and you're going you're gonna to walk people into war, and we're going to go out, we're going to go in, we're going to fight, and we're going to come out together. You know, you just have it. You know, Tom Brady has it. You know, CB3 got it. LeBron got it, you know. So it just is what it is. But I really think that the fact that the Nuggets are inconsistent and they're not where they're supposed to be, in my opinion. I mean, yes, they beat the Lakers. I mean, AD had to go down to for them to, you know, win that game, in my opinion, you know. But inconsistent. I mean, just look at the last 10 games, you know. We're not going to, you know, draw it up, you know, and go through every single one. But they're very inconsistent. And, that, and just, that's indicative of their record. The Mavericks, too, you know. And, yeah, and, this, and what bothers me about – people's play in general, you know, because I mean, we could start with the Mavericks and in, 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 in driving home this point, right? The, <laughs> the star of their team, Luka Doncic, right? He's almost averaging a triple double, right? And he's putting up, you know, 35, 40, 45 point games in a lot of regards and they're losing. They're losing. And that just can't be. It just can't be, you know, and like I said, and I think it comes down a, a little bit to, you know, just the inconsistency they've gotten from other players outside of him. You know, I mean, Porzingis is like I said, he's trying to round out its a form, you know, trying to, you know, quote unquote, you know, get his legs under him, you know, let's say it that way, you know, but I mean, yeah, they, they just like lost the trailblazers on Sunday, you know, it was a tough game, you know, Dame and, and Luca was going back and forth and they lost by three. You know, they bond Bernard, you know, went down to the wire with the Pelicans, you know, the one point win against the Hawks, you know, the Timberwolves, they beat, you know, but they lost to the Warriors on the fourth, you know, then they come back and beat them by two, but they, you know, there's shootouts, you know, it's not no lot of defense being played in these games either, you know, 147 to 116 and 134 to 132 and 122 to 116 and 109 to 108, you know, that's a low end, 143 to 130, 121 to 118, like, you know, that's that's rough. And like I said, Luca's playing great basketball in these games, but he's not getting any consistent play from his other guys. You know, one night if they win big, guess what? Kate Porzingis had a great game. You know, along with Luca. Luca had dropped a triple double. And guess what? So did Luca. Luca Luca and Porzingis both dropped triple doubles and they win. You know, but 
Luka can't do it all. And that's been his frustration early on in the season because he knew that he wasn't getting consistent play. Tim Hardaway Jr. got to play better, you know. <laughs> you know, I mean, just and, and him and then a few other guys, you know, they just got to play better. You know, it's like I said, Porzingis, once he gets his true, you know, in shape, you know, body together, you know, to be honest, he'll be better. And, but they got to they gotta buy in and get that third and fourth guy to contribute on a consistent night to night out basis. Trey Burke as well. You know, that's the, that's the biggest problem, you know. Get that done, and they'll, and they'll be better, you know. And, and talking about the Nuggets, you know, Jamal Murray's been inconsistent. You know, I think Joker's been the, the, the I guess you can say the, um, I guess you say the consistent factor. He's always, he's been dominant. He's in, in, in MVP, Dark Horse MVP race, in my opinion. He's a Dark Horse in that, you know. But again, he hadn't gotten, you know, good consistent play out of Murray. You know, he played well against the Lakers the other night, but, you know, but before then, he's been he's really been up and down. He's really been up and down, and that's not like him. You know, he, I mean, especially in the playoffs, I mean, he didn't have a bad game for real. You know, I mean, let's just be honest. He didn't have, really have a whole a bad game in the whole time in the playoffs. Now, were you, are you waiting for that? Are you just a playoff guy? You're not a really regular season guy? I mean, what's that about? You know, you got to make it to the playoffs in order for you to uh, even show out in the playoffs. So, you know, they won three straight, but then they lost three straight before that. And then, but that's, that's after they had a game canceled by COVID. You know, up and down, win, loss, win, 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 loss, win, loss. It's just, it's 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 really inconsistent. Really inconsistent, you know. And like I said, their records are indicative of that. So, and I think that goes back to the whole idea of being, you know, not veteran-led, you know. They're all young and try to figure it out together, you know. Let's just be honest, you know, and just will that work out for them in the long haul? That's the question, you know. So, to break it down, like I said, the Nuggets are 15 and 11. The Mavericks are 13 and 15. So I expect it better. You know, I expect them both to be in the middle tier, you know, five, six, seven playoff perspective. And hey, man, the Jazz are looking good, but the, the Nuggets on the Mavs, who, you know, went wide to wide with everybody in the playoffs practically, they're not there yet. You know, can they fix it? Of course, but they got to buy in. They got to consist to play from their guys. So that's my issue with, you know, that. And that's my take on the fact that they just need to play better and more consistent basketball, and they'll be fine. And they'll be fine. So let's talk about the MVP uh, rankings. Let's talk about that real quick. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I, I'm gonna I'm a caveat this by saying that Le- LeBron is not in this. You know, I mean, I'm a Lakers fan, of course. You know, say you're a homer. You know, you always gonna put LeBron in, but I'm not gonna put LeBron in for this particular fact because you know, as long as Anthony Davis on the team, he's probably gonna get snubbed, regardless of how many numbers he puts up, especially at his advanced age. You know you know, in the league and he's still playing at a high level because they have Anthony Davis. So he's not gonna get the respect that, you know, he would get normally as being an MVP candidate. So I'm not even gonna put him on the list. Regardless of what his numbers are, I'm not gonna put him on the list. He's valuable, yes, I'm not gonna put him on the list. So my top five in this particular regard, real quick. I got Joel Embiid right now, number one. Of course, they're the number one team in the East. 29 points a game, 10 rebounds a game. Great numbers. Donovan Mitchell is number two for me, and number one team in the in the in the West. Twenty four points, four point three rebounds, five point one assists. Then Devin Booker, Devin Booker twenty four point five, uh, three point eight rebounds and four point three assists a game. They're the number two team in the West. Then the hard workers. I just talked about this. Luka Doncic. Now you gotta give Luka credit because, like I said, his team is is on the they count on the bubble right now. Yes, they count on the bubble, but. 
you know, you know, they, they can still make it though. I mean, they only what they only what two games out of the playoffs right now. It was a lot, a lot to play. I mean, we only played twenty eight games, and at least for them, they played twenty eight. So out of seventy two, so it, it can, it's still early. But I would say that Luca almost averaging a triple double this year is definitely MVP candidate for me. Twenty eight point five points a game, eight point seven rebounds, and nine point four assists a game. Hey man, <laughs> and without that, they wouldn't even be the record that they are. You know, so he's definitely highly valuable. And if they turn it around, it the, those numbers will speak even more uh, volumes to his uh, case for being MVP. And then I got to get into Steph Curry. Steph Curry right now is averaging 29.9 points a game, 5.4 rebounds a game, and 5.9 assists. And without all of that, they wouldn't even be close to sniffing the playoffs at all. I mean, highly valuable to them. Right now, they're the eight seed, 15 to 13. And it's all on Steph's back. All on Steph's back. Without him on a night and night out basis, dropping, you know, 29 to 35 to 42 to 60 some points a game, it's not it's not happening. They're not the AC at all. They're a lottery team. Especially with Wiseman being out. You know, he's he's definitely will help take the brunt of the load paint wise and defense wise off of them night in and night out and help Draymond out, but he's hurt right now. So it's even more amazing what Steph is doing because there's no Wiseman and no Clay. We'll keep saying it. No, Clay. Oh, it hurts my heart. Hurts my heart, man. But that was my top five. Top five MVP right now. Of course, like I said, we're in the first quarter-ish of the season, you know, almost to the getting towards the halfway point, you know. And, you know, so we'll, we'll it will change, of course. But that, that was my early, you know, almost quarter, almost halfway mark, you know, rankings for MVP. Like I said, like I said, no LeBron because, again, no matter how well he does, as long as Anthony Davis on his team, they're going to take away from people saying he should be a legitimate candidate. So now I'm gonna put LeBron in it. They put Giannis in it either because again, he's you know established, you know, MVP and defensive MVP. I mean, you know, I think that is I feel like too, if you're a voter, it's almost like if he doesn't do anything different, you know, this year, um, regardless of the numbers he puts up, do you give it to him again? You know, especially with Joel Embiid and, and Donovan Mitchell, all these boys playing you know, you know, mind-blowing basketball. Can you even, you know, it's almost like you got fatigue on Giannis at this point. He's still doing the same thing. He's just using his athleticism to be dominant. Not shooting the basketball well. He's not shooting free throws well, for real. You know, but all these other cats are doing it. You know, and like I said, you Luca and Joel, especially, are having, almost averaging triple-doubles. So, hey, man. Gotta give him credit where credit's due. So. All right, man, let's talk about this uh, controversial topic here about the national anthem. Now, the Mavericks, Dallas Mavericks and Mark Cuban uh, made a decision that garnered a lot of attention this week, um, and it was very fleeting in its claim. Now, I, I, I presume, in me being correct in this regard, that they hadn't done it in a little while, and somebody brought it to... Uh, the league's attention, let's say it that way. And then become a then become a story. Like they hadn't done it like let's say in five games. They hadn't done it. Right. And then played the national anthem. So then became uh a news when somebody said, Oh, by the way, the Mavericks are not playing in their home games. Uh okay, now it's a story. <laughs> so so Mark Cuban came out and said that we not we haven't been doing it, we're not gonna do it. Right. And boy did he get backlash from that. Man, did he get backlash from that. <laughs> to the point where he had to back off his stance 
and decided he was just gonna we're gonna play the national anthem. We just don't want the heat and the drama and the and the scrutiny from people that have issue with this, you know. And uh, they decided to back off the idea of, of doing it, right? Now they're still gonna say that you know people that you know they want to protest and kneel and and you know show solidarity and do things like that. They're fully allowed to do that. They have no issue with that. Now I'll give the league credit. Much more than I do with the NFL because NFL is still controversial in this regard. And we talk about this in sports talk that, you know, the military, you know, paid them, paid the, these leagues to do pay honor to troops and pay honor to the flag in, in their in their uh, starting of the games in, in its own right. So had it never take place, we wouldn't even be having this conversation for real. But regardless in case, you know, I give the NBA still a lot of credit for being very vocal and very uh, in the moment and, and really being truthful about their um, issues with racial injustice, social um, injustice and, you know, racial issues and racism and white supremacy in general in this country, right? But the national anthem thing, uh, I'm very torn with the idea because, you know, you know, the whole idea of, you know, because some people in this country would say you need to stand for it, you need to salute, have your hand off your heart and recite it and all this kind of stuff. You know, and Coach Kurt talked about this in sports talks. So we haven't listened to it again. He's a former military. So, you know, he gave his perspective from being a military personnel person, you know, and I, I have all nothing but respect for him, you know, my family members and people that I've known that are, are military or former military have all nothing but open respect for them and everybody to serve and protect this country, you know. But the national anthem as a song bothers me because when this song was written and they give the song so much, you know, lore and respect as being the heart and soul of this country, right? It was written in a time that racism, slavery, and brutality and oppression was rampant in this country, you know, to the point where they modified this anthem. It used to have a third verse that was so racially charged and has so much racial tone and, and context that they took it out. So the national anthem has, is for as me as African American male, it, it, it in itself bothers me because of what it was written on and, and the blood, sweat and tears and the lives. It was the backs it was written on to make it a unifying moment in this country when this country is still not unified. It's very, it's very, it's very much two different countries in this world to this day in 2021. But the the anthem as a whole, I really feel like, in my opinion, as I think about this, it really feel like it should be, it just really should be up to the organization discretion, you know, if you want to play it or not, you know, I mean, if there's a contractual obligation, you know, and there's money to being paid because you, you know, and you have to do it based upon a contractual obligation, then fine. If that's truly the case, then fine. You do it, you know, and players can react to it however they want, and that's fine. But if there's no contractual obligation, and if players in, in, a, in his own right being, uh, you know, informed and being educated of the racial undertones this anthem has had over the years, and they are not comfortable with it being played, and they don't want it played, and the owner's okay, and the governor or owner, whatever you want to call it, is okay with not playing it, then they should have that. That should be their prerogative, in my opinion. It should be their prerogative. You know, I shouldn't, you know, if I don't want to be subjected to this and, the owner, and we as a whole, we all have a solidarity moment and say that we don't want this play during a game. 
then it shouldn't be. You shouldn't be have to be pressured into doing it just because people that uphold a racist ideology want you to do it. And that's what I think the issue is. You know, people really hiding behind white supremacy and saying that you need to play it and you should play it and you got to stand for it. That, that, that bothers me. That bothers me because there's a lot of racial undertones in this particular storyline that people are not addressing. But I think that's the issue to me. There's a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of things that kind of get back down. You make a bold moment, make a bold statement and you back down off of it. You are pressured by people that support racism and white supremacist ideology to do this. And you just didn't want the drama. So you just had to set it back off and say, well, we're not gonna worry about it right now. That's all. That's it. And that's all. But if it's not a contractual obligation, I think that it should be the team's prerogative not to play it or to play it in my opinion. So we're going to move on from that. We're going to talk about the, uh, Bucks, more so Giannis. <laughs> now, I, Giannis made comments this week about the fact that he thinks that the Jazz are the best team in the West, not the Lakers. Right now, I'll caveat that by saying that Giannis and those Bucks have lost to both teams here recently. More recently, to the Jazz and the Lakers, but they both lost to the Lakers and the Jazz respectively. They lost to both teams. So, but Giannis decided to say, for what I'm, reasons are still unknown to me, to crown the Jazz as being a better team and odds on favorite to come out of the West versus the Lakers. Or even the Clippers. Right? The Clippers should be real disrespectful to this regard, this regard too. Suns as well. But now the Jazz, the Jazz are playing great basketball. Don't get me wrong. They're playing great basketball. And they're a very good team. They're a very good team. But I, I, I underscored this. When the teams are full strength, the Clippers and the Lakers especially, they have trouble beating those teams. So it's not like they're walking over everybody. They're beating everybody except the other two dominant teams in the, in the West. So that's a ridiculous statement in my opinion. I don't know where he got that from. Or maybe you're just wishing he had to see, rather see the Jazz versus the Lakers or the Clippers. You know, he'd rather see those that team play those team in the finals if he made it there rather than seeing the other two teams because the other two teams are veteran-led and they're, they've been there before. They have championship lore already on their team and they have veteran leadership when the other team doesn't, you know. So, I mean, the Jazz is a good team, but it might be one of those teams that's really good in the regular season, but the postseason might be something different because they've never been there. Got to factor that in. Even the Bucks have been there. They hadn't gone far or to the championship, but they've been there. So, you know, I don't know where Giannis was getting that from, but I mean, I would bank on, you know, the Lakers and the Clippers playing in the finals versus anybody else to be real. Let's be honest about it, you know, and I really feel like they're, those teams are being smart about it, about buying their time and just playing, you know, solid basketball and getting themselves in shape and ready for the playoffs versus trying to kill everybody in the regular season and then, and then flame out in the playoffs. You got to know it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I don't know what Giannis was talking about with that. I mean, that was kind of crazy to me. So that's what I feel like, you know, that was the issue, you know, but I, like I said, I think it was overreaction. I, I don't really think that he, you know, really understood or different ramification of what he was saying in my opinion, but you know, but I think that was kind of crazy. So last piece before we uh, get out of here uh, on NBA and we move on to the NFL, uh, we'll spotlight a few players this week. Um, they've been playing really good basketball. Uh, Steph Curry, <laughs> my God, I mean, out of his mind, Devin Booker, out of his mind as well in his last week, Luka Doncic, and Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> oh man, Carmelo Anthony is, 
you know, it's like he has a, he's got a young man's game and older man's body. <laughs> you know, he's been playing great basketball in the last week and he's been carrying his team in large regard. You know, it's, it's been crazy. It's been really crazy, you know, and that what Carmelo has been doing. And I just didn't, uh, you know, give it the respect it's due until now. You know, I literally witnessed it, you know, a game or two ago. And, uh, you know, he went off in the fourth, you know, in the game. And I'm like, oh, my God, this dude is hitting. Like, he's balling. You know, and I was, I think, McCullough and, and Dame Wild that game. And, boy, did he pick up the pieces <laughs> in a big way. So, we'll start by talking about him. We'll give a breakdown of his uh, last uh, five games. Um, man, those last two games were really it. Like, those, those were really it. Um, you know, clearly, clearly someone off the bench, but you know, he played, uh, he played against Dallas. He had 15. Um, but the game before that against Cleveland, he had 23 off the bench. He had 24, he had 23, um, like I said, all off the bench, you know, averaging about, you know, four to five rebounds a game and about, uh, two or three assists. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, he's definitely getting it done, man. He definitely getting it done. Shouts out to him. I mean, I said that four quarter he had against the Cavs. Ooh. Man, he was killing three of seven to three. Yeah, four or five of three against Philly in a win. So that's that's something to talk about as well. Yeah, and, and you have to we have to talk about real quick at the end. I'm gonna talk about the 76ers because they're on the slide, but I'm gonna talk about that in a minute. But yeah, just giving Carmelo his flowers while he's while he's doing it, man. He's balling out here, man. Definitely balling out here. So like I said, off the bench, he's putting up great numbers. He's been a very good asset for this Portland team that's starting to come into shape as form as well. So then we'll move on to Steph. <laughs> Steph. Again, I talked about Steph in a little, a little earlier. Like, all the stuff he's doing is is clearly needed, you know. And if, without it, he they would not be winning the games they're winning. So in his last five, 30, 36, 27, 40, 32, and 32. Um, and 7 of 11 from 3, 2 of 9 from 3, 10 of 19 from 3, 4 of 10, 6 of 11 from 3. I mean, ball, Lynn. Got to give him credit. Getting him credit and and poor Luca, man, like he just he's a walking triple double, damn near, you know. And I just need his teammates to come along with him. I really do. But forty foot now, this is their one last four out of five. They won. He had uh, I want to say uh, Sunday night. He had uh, forty four in, in that you know, dagger loss to the the Blazers, right? He had forty four. Then he had forty six the night before the week the game before that. 28, 26, and 42, you know, with, you know, nine assists, 12 assists, 10 assists, five assists, 11 assists. Rebounds, he had six, seven, 10, eight, and six. I mean, oh, man, like, yeah. I mean, like I said, almost walking, almost having a triple-double, you know. So I just need his teammates to play better, you know, and play more consistent ball, and they'd be, they'd be fine when they put up those kind of numbers. And then Mr. Devin Booker, Mr. Devin Booker. As we round this segment out, man, Devin Booker, man, out of his mind as well. Like I said, his him playing with CP3, man, is definitely a godsend for him, you know, because he's allowed to really be a score, and his numbers are indicative of that. They've all they won the last five. He hit 27, 36, 30, 36, and 18, you know, and hit a, a, a five threes against Cleveland, hit three against Philly. So yeah, man, he had 11 assists against Boston when they played them, 18 and 11. So man, he's doing his thing out here, doing his thing out here. And like I said, all those teams are winning. Steph got those boys in the playoffs right now as the AC. You know, uh, the Suns are the two. You know, Lucas, they trying to they trying to come up. 
You know, the Blazers are right in the middle of the pack. You know, so, man, you got to give these boys credit, man. Got to give boys credit. But in the same vein, as we wrap this segment up, man, the 76 is over. Ugh, it's concerning. Concerning me a little bit because I'm like, you know, I guess I get a beat has been hurt or banged up, you know, but they've, they've, they've fallen off a little bit. They've fallen off a little bit and now they've had a little bit of a skid and I've been speaking their praises. You know, I've been speaking their praises and I think, you know, I wonder what the issue is. I mean, you know, is Embiid's health the issue? You know, I mean, they lost to the Jazz. They lost to the Suns, which is nothing to sneeze at. They lost to the Blazers as well. So they had the end of a three-game skid. They beat, before that, they beat the Kings and they beat the Nets, um, which was a really interesting game. I talked about that before, but you know, they lost to the Blazers before that. So they've been a little bit up and down. Before that, they ran off like four straight. You know, but lose to the Blazers twice, and they lost to the Suns, Jazz. Um, so yeah, yeah, they 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 having a little bit issue with the West Coast teams. Have a little bit issue with the West Coast teams, but they're doing pretty good in the East so far. So I hope they can get right. Hope NBA can come back healthy, and they'll be better, man. But but yeah, but that's gonna wrap up the NBA segment. So let's move on to NFL. So now let's talk NFL news. <laughs> I tell you, I was thinking to myself that you know there's gonna be a you know a drought shortage of headlines from the NFL perspective, you know, we're going to be heavy NBA for the foreseeable future. At least till we get close to free agency in the draft, right? Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> the NFL has no shortage of storylines going on these days. And I'm here for it. I'll be honest with you. I'm here for it, man. And, um, and I think one feel good story for me, uh, when it comes down to these quarterbacks here, um, you know, I, you know, if you listen to my podcast previously, you know, I broke down, the, the staunch differences in the, in the issues that I have with people criticizing black quarterbacks versus white, right? But what they're all doing holistically, you know, whether whatever race you are, um, is there what they're doing now, in my opinion, is fortunate in their own path. You know, um, long is, you know, long ago, well, not so long ago, let me say it that way, for the NFL, it was one of those things where you sign a contract and you would just honor that contract, good, better, and different, and you would just ride out made a decision to stay with them long term. You were ride out ups and downs, ebbs and flows, good, bad, or indifferent. It's almost like I'm, you just married to them, you know, no matter how good or bad the marriage is, you know, you just married to them and you can't complain. You got to stay married, you know, and with divorce rates being different now in the world and people, you know, getting out of loveless marriages and, and things don't work out and you're not compatible. And this is the third, the quarterbacks are doing the same thing. They're not sticking around with these relationships no more. You know, and I'm all for it. I'm honestly all for it, you know. And the NFL, you know, versus the NBA has been very uh, pro-league. The NBA is pro-player, NFL is pro-league. And I think that that's starting to try to change a little bit. Um, and the players are doing what they have to do in certain regards to, um, you know, choose their own destiny, you know. And I think the NBA spearheaded this, you know, in the early 2000s, especially now, late 2010s. And now, you know, you got guys moving around and, and asking out of contracts and moving away from, you know, and the Anthony Davis thing was the probably the biggest bombshell, you know, and then James Harden followed his suit and a few others. So I think that quarterbacks are taking note of this. And they're like, well, if we're just going to say straight up and down that we're unhappy and either we want out or we want things to change. Now, now, that mainly paints the picture towards uh, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson, but Carson Wilson is, is in his bag as well. Um, I think Matthew Stafford, you know, you can really say that he, you know, came to an amicable decision with the Lions and said that I wanted to move on, and they agreed. They had, a, you know, uh, an adult conversation. 
and they said, we will move on from you. We'll try to get value for you. And the boy did it ever. The Rams paid the King's ransom to, to, to trade for him. You know, uh, Carson Wentz, you know, although I will say that, you know, the Eagles are not met with as much uh, love or fanfare for Carson Wentz that they did for Matthew Stafford. But, you know, because right now they got, you know, second rounds and maybe thirds on the, on the docket to get Wentz traded. But it's not the level of what uh, Matthew Stafford got. And Matthew Stafford is older. You know, and not as I wouldn't say. Well, I guess you could say Matthew said was he might be a little bit more accomplished than overall than than Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz had that MVP like season that got hurt, um, but he struggled. You know, his you know outside of his rookie in in second year, he struggled. You know, so I don't know. I mean, would you who would you bet on versus you know Stafford or Wentz? You know, would you bank on a younger quarterback with a with a heavy contract or older quarterback with who hasn't really or is been less less been shackled by the, the the organization's decisions, you know. So you know maybe we'll have a fresh start. We'll see how the Rams play this year. I mean they could take another another step in the right direction with a new quarterback. Who knows? But again, Winston's not getting the same love that Stafford got. Okay, so you got that. I mean I don't know. I mean there's been rumors here circulating the last day or so that the Bears are on the front runner. Although he wants to go to the Colts for obvious reasons. His his offensive coordinator Frank Wright is over there. Um, they tried to appease him by bringing in an assistant from that staff over to the Eagles to coach him, but he didn't like that, so he still wants out. You know, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a broken record. I honestly, truly, I said that you know, if you trade a Jalen Everett Hurts, which is less of a cap hit from an Eagles perspective, Winston shut up. He just don't like the fact that nobody wants just looking over his shoulder could take his job. You know, and I really feel like the Eagles hurt themselves too. You know, by starting Hurts over Wentz because now his stock is down. You know. You know, Matthew Stafford started when he wasn't hurt. He started every game, and he played hard. He's always played hard. So you, you know, you your value is your value for him. But you, Wentz value took a hit when you benched him. So now people don't want to pay you a, a diary for him because, you know, he's just like I don't know what I'm getting. I'm not sure. He's been up and down. So that's it's weird. I mean, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure he'll get traded, which would be a healthy, hefty cap hit for the Eagles, but. Where he where he land is the question, you know. But in him in, in his own regard, he felt like the situation in the Eagles organization is is beyond repair. So he wants a new start. So I give him credit for that. I mean, he's definitely gonna cripple the organization, you know. Again, you know. So I mean, maybe he just feels like you know from his perspective, he just like look, you know, I don't I don't jive with y'all, you know. The front office, I'm Howie Roseman and Laurie, we not cool. You know, and me and me and 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 Doug Peterson weren't cool either, but you got rid of him. Um, but you still got these two other guys that I'm still not comfortable with. And then this Jack Leg coach you brought in here, you know, it's not making it any better for me. So I went out and want a new I want a new start. You know, so kudos to him. And then hopefully he can get right in wherever he goes. And I'm not sure the Bears is going to be a better situation to him than the Colts, to be in all honesty, because the Colts are set offensive line wise. He knows the coordinator already. He knows the system, so it's not like he's learning anything new. Matt Nagy's on the bubble. You know, so he can mess around and have a new coach at the year one. Who knows? But yet again, he's forging his own path. Let's go back to my original point. He's forging his own path. And I think that's good. I really think that's good. You know, whether you cripple the organization cap-wise or not, you're not allowing them to dictate to you what your future is because he feel like the, it's a failed state where he is. And the same thing with Deshaun Watson, the same thing with Russell Wilson. Now, we I'll talk about Deshaun more in length in a minute, but I'm going to talk about Russell Wilson first. Russell Wilson came out public for the first time ever in life. You know, since he's been drafted, I was, you know, because he's been really a team guy. 
up to this point, you know, but he's starting to see the writing on the wall. He's really seeing that. And I've been complaining about this for many, many podcasts. If you go, if you've been listening since day one, that their issues, their offensive line, you know, yet, I mean, I complain about the defense as well. You know, I'm going to always analyze the defense. However, regardless of that fact, the offensive line has been an issue, you know, and they got an aging Dwayne Brown and left tackle, but you know, their left guard has been okay, but everybody else, you got three, three, three other guys are quote unquote garbage. You know, and he's running for his life, and he realizes he's not getting any faster. The older you get, you don't get faster. You get slower. And these guys are catching up to him, and he's getting hit a lot more. And I've been – I've been, if you listen to my podcast, I've been breaking that down week to week, that he is getting hit more. He's being under duress a lot more, and he's not happy about it. Regardless of the weapons he has, if he can't get the ball off, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you got – Three Hall of Fame receivers in your arsenal. If you can't throw the pass, it doesn't matter. So that's an issue. So he got to the point where he's speaking out. Now, I will give him credit. He's giving them a chance to fix it. You know, he's definitely playing this cards, you know, you know, classy. And, you know, that, you know, I give him all the credit for the world. Russell's a great guy. I always love, I've loved Russell from day one. Never had anything bad to say about him. You know, really good guy. I feel like he could be a, a politician and be a good one, you know, a righteous one if he decided to retire from football, you know, in, in his 40s and decided he wanted to do something different. But regardless, you know, I think that, you know, he's doing what a lot of NBA players are doing. They're realizing they don't want to sit idly by and let these organizations fail them over and over again and not get anywhere because, you know, y- yes, the money's good, but, you know, my legacy matters as well. You know, and the people that are stepping up and speaking out, they they care about their legacy. They don't care about just getting paid. You know, some people just go, okay, we're getting paid, you know, one, $200 million and be cool with it. And I, no matter how good or bad we do, I'm still getting paid. But the critique is not going to change. You know, if you're making that kind of money, people expect you to turn water into wine, you know, from a sports play perspective, football or basketball. So, you know, you're going to local writers, national writers, you know, you know, me, we're all going to say, what are you doing with yourself? You're making all this money. Where's the production? You know, but so, but you realize that this is a weapons driven league in a, in a protection driven league. So you got to look at Tom Brady. You've got to have protection. You got to have protection to, to be able to flourish in offense as a quarterback. And they've been failing him over the past several years. I mean, they hadn't had a good line since Marshawn Lynch was the main focus. You know, let's just be honest. Since they traded Matt Unger, their line hasn't been good. And Russell Wilson has been covering that up because he's so escape, he's so elusive. That's the word, elusive. But the older you get, the less elusive you get. You don't get faster. You know, you don't get, you don't pick, you don't become Lamar Jackson one day when you wake up at 34. It doesn't happen. Even Lamar Jackson's going to slow down sooner or later. So your best bet is they get older, protect them better. Same thing with Tom Brady. He's never been fleet of foot, and he knows being in New England and in Tampa Bay now, he's like, wherever situation I go, I need offensive line is good. If you don't have a good offensive line, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. So I don't blame him at all. Don't blame him at all. So, you know, Russell spoke out, and he gave him a chance to fix it, and I'll give him credit for that. You know, and hopefully the Seahawks take heed you know, he was, a, he was a little critical of the offense. They changed the offensive coordinator. I get that. Now, whether he had a say in that in decision, it's still left to be said. He didn't really get into that whole dynamic. But he did say going forward he wanted to make, you know, he wanted to have an input in decision-making personnel-wise. As You know, I mean, he's earned it, in my opinion. I mean, he's been the face of this franchise for many, many years, and they've been doing MVP-caliber stuff for the many, many years. 
you know, ever since it became more about him than Marshawn and Marshawn left, it's always been about Russell. And he's, like I said, he's been turning water into wine. Just this year, just past where he really had two dominant weapons, you know, last two years, I would give him since, 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 uh, since Tyler Lockett emerged, you know, and DK got drafted, you know, they, you know, they're still missing a tight end in my opinion. They're missing a good tight end and they're missing a good offensive line. And after that, they're fine. So again, he, they need to rectify that. They need to rectify that. They need a good right tackle and in two in another in a, in a good center. You can probably get away with that left guard and kind of be, you know, they kind of help him out, but you need to fix that center position to fix that right tackle position, especially, and then you can do things and get you a good young tight end. So, but yeah, Russell, give him a chance. He's giving him a chance, you know, to fix it. Now, if you don't fix it, what's going to happen with that? Because I feel like the next step is I want out, you know, but again, I don't blame these guys. No matter Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Matt Stafford, anybody that's requested a trade, you know, or asked for more input because they care about their legacy. I have no problem with that. Because like I said, the NFL has been more pro shield than pro player. They don't care as much about the players. They care about the organization itself as a whole. So these guys are like, look, I'm not going to just down the vine here, you know, and get hit and beat out the league at 29 because, you know, you've gotten me, you got me brutalized for my past, you know, four to five years of my career. You know, sad state, sad case of Andrew Luck. Like Andrew Luck got brutalized and they finally fixed the line after he was too beat up to play. And, and he, he didn't even reap the benefits for that good old line. That old line is masterful. Right now, one of the best in the league, them and the Browns, they got the best, you know, the Browns did smart. And they got this got Baker Mayfield a good old line before he got beat up, you know? So can they sustain that is questionable because, you know, money will change. People will change, you know, over the long haul because Baker's still young, but can they, you know, I guess you can say plug and play, you know, can they, you know, every time one goes out, can they plug him in with another guy that's good? As long as they can keep doing that and keep, you know, rotation going and keep Baker upright and healthy, they'll be fine with a new coach. Stefanski's doing well, so they got to keep doing that. But the coastal line, you're speaking about, about uh, Andrew Luck, they got right way after the fact. Like he was surgery after surgery, and I just can't take the punishment no more. You know, I just can't play. You know, I'm just more worried about me being able to walk, you know, and walk with my brand new daughter you know, and play with her versus having to play for an organization where it just, just kept getting me killed. So kudos to Russell, man. Kudos to Deshaun. Kudos to Carson for all and Matt Stafford as well for all trying to stop the pain before it gets too bad, you know, and hopefully the, the Seahawks get right because I said Russell Lee walks out that door. That franchise is rebuilding heavily. <laughs> you cannot lose that quarterback. You hear me? He's only 32. You got at least good, probably another good eight years in him, to, you know, and a good eight years of playoff caliber football if you keep him healthy. But you got to keep him healthy. So, speaking of Deshaun, we're going to talk about this situation now, too. Ah, this situation bothers me even more now than it did in the previous weeks because you keep playing hardball with this man and trying to force him to play for your organization, trying to mend fences when he's done. And and again, I say he he just like Russell, he's handling it very classy. He's not being disruptive. He's not being disrespectful. He's not handling this completely out of the way. And we have rights to it at this point because they were just sitting here on their hands and like we're not trading. Yet again, everybody else has made this move. The Lions have made the move. The Rams have made moves. Eagles about to make a move. You know, if I think the Seahawks would have to make a move, if Russell just just got disgusted. But regardless. You're playing hardball with this man. Why? Why are you playing hardball with this man? 
he's done nothing but good things for the organization. And he wants out because he realized that this is a failed state. This organization is going down. I'm not here for rebuild. We were on the cusp of going to the Super Bowl two years ago. And you completely, totally tanked the opportunity. And I'm not going to sit here and get beat all the hell waiting for you to fix it. If you can fix it. And the decisions you made up to this point, when you said I would be involved in them, haven't been good. You know, the guy that you hired as the GM, he wasn't even, he doesn't have GM experience. Problem one, the coach you hired wasn't even looking for a coaching job. And he happened to get hired on the back end because you just had to find somebody. Like I, I call the question, the Lions hired, the Eagles hired, and the Texans hired. Like, it's almost like nobody wanted to go to them because they felt like their organization was a dumpster fire and they just didn't want to be bothered, you know? And I'm not sure what Eric Bieniemy or Brian Dayball would have been would have done if they had been offered the job, but you know it wasn't a good situation. It was a better. It's better for them to stay where they're at. I mean, if I'm Dayball, I'm definitely staying with the Bills versus just playing with the coaching the Texans or the Eagles or the Lions. Be honest, I'll stay with I'll stay I'll stay comfy and cozy with uh, with Josh Allen and Eric Bieniemy's situation. I'll stay comfy and cozy with the one removed champion of the Chiefs, and I'll stay with Patrick Mahomes. I'll stay coach Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I don't need this, you know. I don't blame him. I don't blame him at all. But regardless, you're playing hardball with this man. Why? You know, and this and this the situation bothers me even more. Is that I spoke about this briefly with in, in sports talk, so catch that on the replay if you haven't. But you <laughs> you took JJ Watt's call. JJ Watt walked up to you. You know, I'm not even sure how this happened. I mean, it, you know, because it's a pandemic, you might have talked to this over Zoom. You might've talked this over the phone, you know, whatever the case may be, you might've been face to face in a social distancing manner. You know, I hope some of you are being smart about this thing, right? But JJ Watt came to you as the owner, GM, whoever he spoke with and said that, um, you know, I, we, I want to come to an amicable split. He did the same thing Stafford did. Stafford went to the Lions and said, I want an amicable split. I want to go somewhere different and finish my career. And they had no problem with JJ Watt doing that. And a problem with Matt Stafford doing that. So why exactly are you trying to force Deshaun Watson to play for you when he doesn't want to play? You know, and do you think, let's be honest with you here. Do you really think that you're going to get the best out of Deshaun that you've gotten over the last several years? If he comes into this organization and plays for you and he doesn't want to be there? You know, let's just say he he swallows his pride, bites the bullet, and decides he's he going to come back and play, regardless of what you've done in personnel-wise. Like, you know, you could have done the worst or the best. Like, you could bring the best O-line, best receivers that you possibly could in the free agency in the draft. And he still don't want to play for you because he feel like it's fool's gold. Or you can do status quo like you've been doing and bring in hardly any to nobody or let or let other people go that he needs to, to help him win. And you still have a Malcolm quarterback. Do you really think, I mean, in anything, in any job, forcing somebody to work for them and not letting them out of a contract when they want out, do you really think you're going to get the best out of them that you can? You're fooling yourself if you think that. You're really fooling yourself. And I don't understand why Houston is doing this, you know, to Deshaun versus letting J.J. White out of his contract, you know. And I'm not going to speak about race. I'm not going to do it today. I'm not going to do it today. I'm going to save that for Urban Meyer. But... My problem is you gave JJ Watt that respect, but you didn't give the, you're not giving Deshaun the same, you know. And clearly, these organizations outside of you, the Lions, the Rams, the 
Eagles, all these people that have done these trades, you know, well, these massive contracts have all can or will recover from it, you know, and think about it like this. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Deshaun Washington is going to garner the biggest price tag of anybody that you trade for. You're going to get a King's ransom for this. You'll be able to replace your quarterback. You'll be able to fill all the holes that you can fill that you're missing by trading him and letting him go on and be happy. So it's a win-win. Deshaun gets what he wants. You get to rebuild your franchise overnight practically. But you refuse to move. This is not going to end well, ladies and gentlemen. It's not going to end well. I'm sorry. It's not going to end well. And and I and I and I hope this, I hope they wise up and come out of the woodwork at the 11 hour and decide to trade them before it gets to an eight. Because I spoke about this before. I said if they don't trade him by the time the draft is over, they're going to be stuck. And everybody's going to be pissed off. Because once these rookie quarterbacks and these and these free agents start to get signed and go to different organizations and it's going to be a scrap heap of quarterbacks to pick from at that point, you're screwed. If you deal it now before free agency and the draft happen, you're good because you can name your price and you can pick up whoever you want to pick up. But if Trevor Lawrence and company get drafted and all the quarterbacks that are in free agency, Cam Newton and others get signed, you're screwed. You're screwed. And you will probably go 0-16 next year because Deshaun will either be a healthy scratches or not show up. I mean, things that won't be a good idea for to be to, if you want to put a good NFL franchise on, uh, you know, on TV on Sunday. If you want to put a good show, good product out there on Sunday, it's not going to be good. You're going to be left with some jackleg backup that hadn't played ever quarterback on your team, and you're going to go on 16 most likely. So. And don't let Carson Wentz come over there and and play in that division. You got Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, and uh, Carson Wentz playing quarterback. Oh yeah, you're going to 16. And you pick a first in the draft this year, but guess what? You missed out on Trevor Lawrence. You're one year too late, you know, to rebuild your franchise. So I'm sorry, Texans. You, you're screwing yourself day by day. Every as this goes on day by day, it's getting worse by the minute, and it's not going to end well if you keep going down this path. So I'm I'm just sorry to tell you that. Hope you wise up. So let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers one more time and their uh, rise to fame. <laughs> you know, uh, they had a great run. You know, nobody picked them to, even including me, you know, picked them to win the Super Bowl this year. You know, I feel like they maybe been a year out before they actually got together because you didn't have the time that you would normally have allotted to you with the pandemic. You know, you didn't have any OTAs, didn't have any uh, mini camps, and you really couldn't gel, you know, but all credit to the roster that they put together. They went all in for one season, you know, and it paid off. You know, Tom Brady got who he wanted. And he 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 put implemented the system he wanted to put in. He he brought all the leadership and intangibles that they needed from a veteran standpoint to get them to the promised land. Kudos. Great run. Shout out to Bruce Arians and the staff he created. Todd Bowles is a genius defensively. And hey man, it was basketball to see. Didn't expect it. And the road they took to take down who they took down, they took down Drew Brees, sent him in their retirement. They took down Ed Rodgers and Lambeau. They took down Patrick Mahomes and their home stadium. Can't write a better picture, man. Can't write a better book. So, shouts out to them. So, but my question to now is, you know, uh, Tom Brady's clearly coming back, you know, and what's going to happen with his roster? 
you know, um, because they have a lot of things that's unsettled um, from a contract perspective. I mean, Mike Evans is locked in. Obviously, Tom Brady's locked in for another year. Um, Gronk is a free agent. Uh, Antonio Brown is a free agent. Chris Godwin is going to be a free agent. Shaq Berry is a free agent um, and a few others. Dominic Sue, I think it's, I think Vita Vez is someone who's rookie deal. Um, Levante David, he's up. So, um, you know, it's just not, not going to be enough money to go around. I mean, you know, there's been, you know, talks about Tom Brady restructuring his deal and giving himself a rookie contract because he's made his money and he just wants to win at this point, clearly. It's not about the money for him. It's about his legacy and about winning. So he could dump his money down. Mike Evans said he could. But 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 the issue is that coming off of a Super Bowl winning season and a dominant, you know, in dominant fashion, these free agents are going to garner a lot of attention. I promise you Godwin's going to garner a lot of attention in the free agent market for a wide receiver. Now, that's going to be interesting. Uh, Shaq Barrett is a very big piece to this puzzle because, you know, he hasn't made his money yet. You know, he was, uh, you know, fringe guy, you know, playing behind Von Miller in, in the Broncos. And then he came over to Tampa Bay, um, had, a you know, led the league in sacks and got a franchise tag. Um, now, they can't franchise them again, but this is my thing. You know, this is goes back to forging your own path. Let's talk about those quarterbacks. You know, he may request that they don't franchise tag him and they use it on Chris Godwin maybe because, you know, he's going to guarantee that he's going to get a lot of money from somebody. You know, we could talk about upwards of $100 million, you know, or more, you know, to be, you know, and that's going to be his one big contract because he's 28. So he's won his ring, you know, and if you heard plenty of guys in the league say, well, I won my ring, so I'm going to go get this money because I hadn't got paid yet. You know, he got paid minimal money up to this point. He had one big payday in his franchise deal he was on this past year. So will he be able to turn that money down? I mean, you offer, I got a Super Bowl ring. I take a hometown discount and maybe win another one. Or do I make this money long-term and set my family up? Hard decision to make, man. You know, a lot of guys will choose the money, to be honest with you. So I'm not going to be surprised if Shaq Barrett walks out the door. You know, now, can they replace him? I believe they can. It's just a question of who, um, how the fragency market is going to shake out. And I think that some people that are on the edge, like J.J. Watt, you know, on the edge of their career being on a downturn or, you know, kind of the twilight of their career. And they're just going to ring chase so they can sign a, a minimum deal to co-play for one year. So they could reload in that regard. But, you know, some of those pieces you just can't miss out on. I mean, I'm not sure what Antonio Brown's going to do, but I would like to, because Chris Godwin's young, I would like to lock him up. You know, um, uh, I think that the, the tight ends will be fine because OJ House coming back on his, he's leaning in, in towards his, in his rookie deal, but he's coming back on a, on a cheap price. Um, Cameron Bray's still there. He's a solid two. So, I mean, he may or may not need Gronk, honestly, because they, you know, I think they'd be all right with those two as long as they stay healthy. And then you can bring Gronk back on just like a, you know, one year minimum deal if you want to bring him back in the middle if somebody gets hurt. But, you know, you don't necessarily need him, in my opinion. But I think you need Levante David, though. Now, now he's going to get a lot of money, too. I mean, because just watching him play him and Devin White play side by side in that 34 this year was. A masterpiece, a masterpiece. In a game that's offensive-driven, watching them two dogs play on defense and play well in that sub package is is, is great. It's just great to watch. So he's going to garner a lot of attention as well. So I think, you know, it just really boils down to what Shaq and what Levante is going to do about finding their, I guess you can say, um, rationale, reasoning, what they and what they want to do with themselves. You know, because I think Levante's gotten paid one good deal, but Shaq hasn't. So I would like to say that Shaq, if he get off at the back, he's going to walk. But um, what Levante's going to do, and will he stay because of Devin is a question. You know, he loves Tabo, so I think that'll pay into it. So it's questionable if he stays. But if he stays, I think they're in good shape.
if he stays, I think they're in really good shape. So uh, we'll see how it shakes out, man. But um, I think that it really hinges on them repeating it, how to how to go about resigning these guys. They needed all those weapons. Um, you know, I think they'll keep Rojo. I think Rojo's still on the contract, but um, can they resign for an F for pretty cheap? You know, that's that that matters. Cause they need a, that, that thunder and lightning. You know, Virgil's that speed guy and, and Fournette gets the tough yards. So I think they need all of that in order to be able to compete because it's a weapons driven league. And you get without those weapons, you know, Tom Brady knows all too well, without those weapons, it'll be tough. It will definitely be tough. And now granted his division is going to change a bit. There's no Drew Brees, you know, the Saints are, you know, trying to rethink or refocus on what they're going to do with themselves on their roster still good. Uh, the Panthers still rebuilding. The Falcons are in flux and you know, they got to find uh, their way with their new coach. So, We'll see how that happens. But, I mean, I think they're a division. They're the odds on favor to win the division as long as they resign their guys. So, they'll be in the playoffs. It's just a question of whether that they can get it done and make it to the problems land again. And I think with Tom Brady's leadership, they can as long as they have the weapons. So, we'll see. I would bet on – I would bet a small amount on them repeating right now. But it all depends on injuries and how they re- reload their roster. So, let's switch over to the same, another place in Florida, in Jacksonville. Now, Urban Meyer – Man, please, please, please come to the congregation. Please come to the front of the congregation so we can have a talk. Urban Meyer this past week decided to hire <laughs> a coach from Iowa. Let's call him, call him Doyle. No, don't call him by his first name. We're going to call him Doyle. Um, decided to hire Doyle from Iowa. Well, he got fired from Iowa. Let's just be real. Let's be clear about it. He got fired from Iowa because of allegations heavy heavy multiple people have alleged that he's used and committed racial slurs and racial epithets and racial discrimination towards them right to the point where you got paid out of your contract a million or so dollars or more just to go away we're going to release you we're going to fire you basically and say just go away we're going to give you all your money just go away and be done and we don't want to see you back here so you reward this man by being fired from Iowa and to give him a pro level position in the Jacksonville Jaguars organization. And then when you were questioning about the idea of having him in the locker room with you uh, going forward in this locker room of grown African-American men in large part, you know, 65, 70% or more in, 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 in a lot of regards, how was that going to play? And, Urban Meyer's response to this was I'm going to double down on my decision was the right decision to make. And I feel like I vetted him. I feel like he's, I've known him for 20 years and he's never given me that type of vibe and it was a good hire for me and I'm okay with it. <laughs> this particular hire received so much backlash from the media, from in, former NFL players and, you know, grumblings over around the league, sports media and alike that Doyle himself resigned. Now, Urban didn't rescind the, rescind the nomination. He didn't rescind it. Doyle resigned because he didn't want to deal with the media backlash and the constant scrutiny he was going to get from this hire. <laughs> wow. So, again, Urban Meyer, again, doubled down on this take. Like, he didn't go back and say, you know, maybe I made a mistake. You know, maybe it was one of the best thing to do. You know, uh, maybe we should rethink this. He doubled down on the fact that it was a good hire. He was okay with it. <laughs> now, I mean, we're not going to act like Urban Meyer isn't uh, 
free of controversy at, at already. Like, you know, he's played uh, ignorant or, or, you know, naive. That's the word I'm going to use. He's, gonna, he's played naive in a lot of things that are going on in and around him. And I, but I, I'm a firm believer that you're, if you're the coach or the head coach or the president, uh, you know, GM or whatever in, in, in the head guy in your organization or your, you know, team, it's not very much that should, should get past you. So, but we can argue all day whether or not Urban Meyer knew about what things that happened in the previous programs. But, you know, I really feel like he did in my opinion, but, you know, but he played, he turned, you know, he played naive and he acted like he didn't know. And, you know, he kind of get, he got a, got, he got a pass. People gave him a pass to say he's okay. You know, he just let, they just let him live, you know, <laughs> but this particular situation really, really, really bothers me. And it bothers me for this particular point is that I feel like urban might be in over his head in this regard, because you're coming from college and you never coach pros. There's two different levels and two different dynamics. And this was, this were college coaches. This is where coaches period go wrong. You know, when you've coached high school, boys club, high school, college, it's a different dynamic. These kids are trying to get somewhere, right? But when you've got come to the NFL and it's established professionals who make millions of dollars in a lot of regards, make more money than you do and got families, wives and kids, you can't do the same things you do with them as you do smaller kids or or high school kids or college kids. You can't do it. You can't do those things. You can't say certain things to these guys. They're grown men just like you. They're going to look you in your eye and tell you you're wrong. You know, and that's just me being uh, politically correct when I say that. It's going to be a lot more said when you come at them wrong. And this, to me, screams that Urban might be in over his head when it comes down to what's going to happen when he gets into that locker room and starts dealing with his players. You know, Now, granted, he has and will have a lot of young guys coming in. Like, like the young guys they got now, they kept Josh Allen, C.J. Henderson, you know, um, the rookie running back, James Robinson, you know, those young guys, they drafted, you know, when they let go Jalen Ramsey and all and, and AJ Bouye and Yannick and all the guys they had, they let all those, you know, contender, you know, players go outside of Miles Jack. Um, you know, he's still there, you know, but you know, anybody that's, there's a veteran looking to maybe play for the Jags. That's a problem, you know? So, and any veteran that's in that locker room right now, that's been there a while is a problem. So, and any grown man with pride is a problem. They're just not going to let you talk to them in your kind of way and say what you feel like and and just, you know, berate or disrespect me in any way. It's not going to happen. So I feel like Urban might be in, in over his head and, and it, it, it reared his ugly head to me in this particular incident. Because if you, you were okay with this dude coming in and, and coaching and, and helping you out, then that's a red flag. And you don't really have the pulse of the locker room in mind because I promise you this. Had he been there and had he come into the organization, everybody would have been on edge already. Everybody would have been on edge already. And and subsequently, even he's the fact that he's not coming in, they still looking at you sideways because you were cool with the idea. So I'm I'm questioning you already. So my my antennas are up for you on top of the fact that you if you had brought this dude in, I'd have been up in odds against him. So I think Urban has a problem, and he hadn't coached it down yet. 
So it remains to be seen how things work out and whether or not he will have success. Now, Trevor Lawrence is his, most likely his quarterback. Now, he probably won't have a whole lot of issues with Trevor Lawrence and the most of the young guys, but those African-American veteran guys, anybody that supposedly wants to play for the Jaguars or did at one point, they got questions. They got questions. And I'm sorry, Urban, you, you might have screwed yourself before you actually took the reins for real. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, you know, I, who you hang around and who you coach, who you hire speaks ultimately to your character. You, that all falls back on you. <laughs> so take take that advice, heed that advice, and it all falls back on you. You have to be cognizant of what you're doing and who you hire and how you speak to people. Because all that matters. I don't care how much X and O's and how much of a good system you can bring in. If you can't deal with people in a right, just manner, they're not going to rock with you. That's just it. They're not going to play for you. They're not going to play hard for you. You're not going to buy in. This is not going to happen. So, Urban, you were tone deaf in that. You might have screwed yourself before you played it down as the coach. So, we'll see. But as we wrap up, I want to give a, a quick shout out to my uh, colleague, Coach Kurt, um, Sports Talk. We had a, a spirited episode last uh, Saturday, um, and replay became available Monday morning on YouTube, so check that out. Very good episode. We're coming up with episode 10. We're going to have a special guest this week, I believe, and we're going to do uh, a division a week um, breakdown on free agency in the draft. We're going to break down the AFC North this week and then so on and so forth going down the line. And we're going to break down each division and how they can improve and what their needs are and what they're going to look like um, to look to garner from the free agency and the draft. So look out for that. Now, final point before we wrap this up uh, for the NFL segment is that watch out for the salary cap because revenue was different this year because of COVID, right? So they were expecting a good spike in the salary cap prior to the pandemic, correct? So... Um, as I spoke about the Bucks issues and their resigning, you know, concerns, that's going to be league widespread if they cut the salary cap, which I believe they're going to cut it because of the simple fact that they lost a lot of revenue this past season. So, you know, I was hoping for a large, you know, influx or wave or just a flood of free agency moves, signings and being unprecedented, but we got to wait and see because whatever that salary cap number is going to be is going to be indicative of how the how the people move and and what, what type of money they're going to garner um, in free agency because it's just going to matter how much I can give you, you know. So those people looking for those big paydays, you know, if you're not in a position to if you're a contender, you're not in a position to give twenty thirty million dollars, then some people might have to take less money or take a one year deal, and then when salary cap recovers, you can get that long term deal, but. You got to bet on yourself. You know, that might lead to Dak Prescott taking another franchise tag for the simple fact that he will get paid more in the open market and or because they can't franchise tag him no more, or he can get a bigger payday from the Cowboys at the next year's salary cap uh, adjustment. So look out for that. It's definitely a key point we're going to keep monitoring. So check check that as being a caveat to it being uh, a free agency market flood and influx of roster shifting and dynamics of teams being shifted in one offseason. So that's going to wrap up NFL news, man. Stay tuned for Lakers Locker Room. It's Locked on Davis Podcast.
we are back with Lakers Locker Room. It's the Lockdown Defense Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Defense. Hey, man. Lakers coming off a three-game trip, uh, you know, a quick little road trip that we had um, going to uh, Denver, and then we got another game coming up. Um, but throughout the stretch of the last week or so, we um, we played, uh, I guess since last time I talked to you guys, we played the Thunder, played the Grizzlies and the Nuggets on uh, Sunday. Um, you know, the, because the headline is that, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, he's been up and down with this Achilles injury. He re-aggravated on Sunday. And uh, it looks like he's going to be out a few weeks. Um, I tell you, man, I'm going to get right into it. I'm just not going to um, act like I'm going to avoid the obvious elephant in the room and say that this injury doesn't concern me. It it concerns me because it gives me the KD feel. Because KD went down with his injury. You know, they were very mysterious about the severity of it. They said it was a contusion or, you know, uh, tendonitis, you know, it was a strain, calf strain, whatever the case may be, you know, you know, they, they rested him for quite some time, you know, and, uh, you know, they held him out as long as they possibly could. And then, you know, subsequently when he felt quote unquote healthy enough to come back for his game to come back, he popped his Achilles. Oh man. I just, you know, hoping I'm speaking that, you know, putting that in the atmosphere so it doesn't happen, you know, but I would say, you know, especially with, you know, it just being early on in the regular season that they just rest him as much as possible because they, there is no title without Anthony Davis on this team. Let's just be honest. With this firepower they have in the West and with the top teams in the East, there's no way that we're going to beat them. I mean, let's just be honest. You know, I just, you know, in a seven-game series, you know, and, and it was indicative of how we played on Sunday. You know, I get Sunday was kind of a shell shock for us, you know, because Anthony Davis went down in, in the middle of the game and we weren't expecting it, so we're kind of scrambling and trying to figure out what to do um, rotation-wise and and how to combat what the Nuggets were doing. But, you know, let's just be honest here. You know, they, you have to have at least two, two and a half stars to win the title. And, you know, Anthony Davis not being there for the extended period of time, that definitely affects our seating and affects our chances to repeat. So uh, I hope he definitely comes back healthy and rests as long as possible and it doesn't re-injure it, you know, and, you know, he comes back strong and be able to do his normal thing and be dominant like you, like we know he can. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but, you know, just going back over the team's play, you know, yes, you know, I know we play the Thunder, the Grizzlies and things of that nature. You know, those aren't, you know, high-power games, quote-unquote. You know, the Thunder's rebuilding. You know, we beat them back-to-back. You know, we played them on the 8th and then the 10th. And then we played the Grizzlies, you know, and – the ironic thing about both of these, all three of these games, I think they all went in OT, <laughs> you know, and that gives, that goes back to my point about people um, playing the defending champs. Like you're really going to get everybody's best shot every night, especially in basketball. Like, you know, they want to test themselves and see how well they match up to the upper echelons and who better than the champs to play against and try to knock them off to see that you can play with the best. And that's what you're going to get every night. So the effort that you're getting from every team, you know, they, they say, oh, you letting the Thunder and the, and the Grizzlies play you to the brink. Yes, we started slow. Yes, we had to play four quarters. But again, we're getting their best effort. You know, they're not playing their best effort against the Pistons or the, you know, Wizards, you know, no shade. But it, they, they're just not playing to the, that high caliber basketball that they're playing against the Lakers. Let's just be honest. And that, that goes for everybody. I'm just not talking about my team for the simple fact that we're the current champs. I'm just not talking about that. That goes for everybody. You know, the Warriors experienced it, the Cavs experienced it, you know, the Celtics experience. Anybody that won a title, Spurs, anybody that won a title, in a, you know, in the last 20, 30 years, you come in the next season, you got a target on your back. So everybody that's gun, gunning for you going to play you tough every single night. And I, I, I admire our greediness, you know, in playing these games because some people will fold. You know, some people will fold and they would not play hard, you know, down the stretch. You know, they don't uh, make adjustments well and they just get blown out because this team is just hot and they're going to give you their best basketball. And that's what they've been doing. 
You know, that's just that's just a clear it is a clear shot at what the Thunder did against us two games, what the Grizzlies did, and what the Nuggets did. Now we're three and one in those games, you know, and you know we missed Anthony Davis out of the two of those four, but you know we grinded it out. We grinded it out. So that's a testament to our, you know, uh, I guess you can say veteran leadership. But outside of that, you know, I think that you know it's it's one of those things where people just want to play you tough and. You just got to grind some things out. It's four quarters to a game, you know? Now, I'm not going to sit and act like our slow starts aren't concerning because they are because you get out to a slow start against a good team and the Denver Nuggets was was a clear-cut example of this. You get out to a slow start against them teams, you may not recover, you know, because you have players on that team that can keep scoring. Like, I think the, the issue with the Thunder and the Grizzlies is that they fell off and he just couldn't find that next gear to keep going, to keep pushing and keep scoring. Which, and which, once you allow the Lakers to get going, all of a sudden the game turns on you. You know, they start buckling down on defense because, I mean, you know, numbers state that we're the best defensive team in the league. So you start buckling down on defense, start limiting their shots, and then all of a sudden you start getting your offense together and you come back from, you know, 10, 15, in some cases, 20-point deficits. So that – and that's what ended up happening. I know especially against the Grizzlies, we were down – I was sitting there watching it in disgust. We were down 22-2 to two in the first quarter, you know, but we rallied back. We rallied back and we came in and we beat them by 10. So, you know, and that was, I believe that was a regulation, you know, so, you know, we didn't have to go to OT with those guys, but, you know, but like I said, you know, in those games, you know, it was up and down. Like I said, Anthony Davis didn't play one game against the Thunder, I believe, and he didn't play one game. He didn't finish the Nuggets game, but he, you know, so, you know, with his trying to rest their legs, so, you know, but the games he's been there, he's been pretty well, pretty good. I mean, he's, you know, he's definitely coming around. I was criticizing, you know, his play, but I now, now I get it because it's, it's a, his leg issue and he's trying to, you know, be smart about it because, I mean, you learn from other people's mistakes. You learn from what happened to KD and how that affected their team. Because let's be real, KD and Clay don't get hurt in that finals game against Toronto. They Toronto loses. <laughs> you know, they just that team was just too good. They had to be they had to be blessed with injuries from both of those guys in order to win that game. And I think it, with Clay being hurt, not being hurt, I still think it's a chance that they they lose. So, you know, having your stars matter. That's it's a star driven league, NFL, NBA, like star driven league. So you got to have your stars. So. You know, with that withstanding, like I said, I think that, you know, if we're going to do pros and cons, you know, about what I feel like is where, where we're at, you know, I think our slow starts are an issue. You know, I think defense has really been our savior in a lot of cases against, you know, decent teams. Like you say, middle of the road teams, top echelon teams. I don't care how much defense you play. If you get off the slow starts like we've been doing, we, we're going to say we'll take an L. And I pulled three-point shooting. Where has KCP been? You know, I get, I, and where has, you know, Dennis Schroeder been, you know, and where was that hot start he had in the beginning of the season? He's kind of faded. Martrez has kind of fallen off a little bit, you know. So, you know, I, and that was my biggest thing. Caruso's been inconsistent. Like, it's it's weird because you got KCP, Schroeder, and Mark, Marquise Moore all on a downturn. But Kyle Kuzma's up. Like, Kyle Kuzma's playing really good basketball right now. But he's, like, the only one. Like, with AD out, it's Braun and Kyle Kuzma. Like, that's not normal. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the fact that Kuzma's been playing well. I've been singing his praises that he needs to, you know, with his athleticism, his size, you know, and it's just overall ability to be a nice small forward for us with, is in a bit of shooter three is it's a godsend, but I just need him to be consistent. Now, with him being consistent and, and KCP, you know, Caruso, Dennis Schroeder, Morris, you know, Harold, I need all of them to stop, step up, especially when they, now they know the AD is going to be out, you know, for the foreseeable future, you know, at least two weeks, maybe more. I would say more because I would err on the side of caution, you know, learn from the mistakes of others and say that, I'm going to rest him as long as possible to keep to make sure that leg is healthy and strong and completely intact. And he has very little chance to re-injure it or make it worse and bring it back then. 
You know, even if it goes towards after the all-star break or whatever have you, do it. You you do it. You look at the long picture, the big picture versus small gains. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. And who cares if we the two or three or four seed? Who cares? You know, I mean, it just really doesn't matter, you know, at this point. What matters is making the playoffs, it matters us being healthy and having a full roster and being good for the playoffs. That's really what matters. So so I would say, you know, that's really what, what it boiled down to, you know. Um, you know, like I said, we beat the Thunder twice. We beat the Grizzlies. We lost to the Nuggets. You know, it was kind of a big game adjustment because we were banking on having AD for that game, and we were just scrambling. And, then, and all credit to the, the Nuggets. They played well. Murray played well. He was a little bit inconsistent before now. Joker has been playing well, you know, all this time, all this the whole year. You know, if you listen to me early, I think, you know, he's a dark horse MVP candidate. You know, so got to give him credit. And they're a good team. You know, they, they played us in the, in, the, in, the, in the playoffs last year. So, I mean, they belong there. Their inconsistency about, about me talking about young teams earlier in the podcast. They're just a young team. They're being a little inconsistent, you know, having that lack of a real dominant veteran leadership, that voice in the locker room, you know, is waning on their consistency. But I think outside of that, they're a great team. So I know got to take nothing away from the fact that they beat us with the no AD. They they could have beat us either way, in my opinion. So, you know, so looking at the next upcoming game schedule, the next four games, I think uh, we played the Timberwolves. First, and then we get the Nets. Now, the next game is interesting because I'm not sure if KD's going to play because he's injured as well. I talked about that earlier. Uh, you know, so if he doesn't play, that still is interesting dynamic. We still got Kyrie and Harden. Um, so that should be an interesting game. We'll try to catch that game um, if it's not too late. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, not a recording and watch it later. But, yeah, got to see that. And then we got a rematch with the Heat uh, on Saturday, I believe. That's a Saturday night game. So that's be an interesting game. Now, Heat's down, too. You know, they they aren't playing the level caliber of basketball they played in the bubble last year up to now. Now, I understand they had COVID issues and injury issues and stuff like that, but they're starting to get healthy. So that should ought to be an interesting game. If they're completely healthy and nobody's out, that ought to be an interesting game for us as well. Again, we're playing all these games without AD, so I'm going to love to see what adjustments they're going to make as far as rotation and who's going to step up because we're going to need people to step up in AD's, in AD's absence and people are going to play more minutes. And I'm sorry, Marcus Gasol can't be that guy. You know, he's got to be a, 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 role, or a serious role player. Harold and other guys are going to have to step up and play well. And then we get the Wizards to wrap up before we talk again on the pocket. So I think they're all winnable games. You know, I just like, I'm, I'm just going to wait and see what the adjustments they make against the Timberwolves and that'll, that'll carry over into the next game. And then we'll see. But I just need those guys that I've been talking about that are down to step up. KCP got to step up and get confidence back in his game. Schroeder need to play better. So it is Marquise Morris to get out the doghouse and get off the bench. And Kyle Kuzma continue his play. And we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. I mean, you know, we have the depth for a reason. We have good depth for a reason. So we'll, we'll be fine. You know, but I said the, the overall long-term goal is to have AD healthy for the playoffs, and that's what's bottom line is. So, but yeah, so we'll talk about it again. You know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll see what his healthy is next uh, podcast and see how long it's going to take for him to come back. But I wouldn't rush him, and uh, we'll uh, you know we'll continue to monitor it and we'll see how the we fare in those next four games. So we have a good four games to talk about. It should be good, interesting. Uh, but stay tuned for the fourth quarter closeout, man. It's Lockdown Davis podcast. back with the fourth quarter closeouts the lockdown davis podcast i'm your host coach defense uh, each and every tuesday man right back down here 
you Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, you name it. We're doing it at 10 a.m. We go live at 10 a.m. each and every Tuesday. Sports Talk with Coach Kurt, twitch.tv forward slash Lockdown Demon Sports. Check the link in the bio, man. Everything in the link in the bio is always there for the social media and reaching out for the Twitch channel, uh, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. All the social links are in the description as well as the timestamps for the segments in this particular podcast. So check that out in the description. Like, comment, subscribe as always. Appreciate everybody's support. Hope we can do better numbers than we did last week, man. It's a hope of everybody listening and enjoying the content. Uh, check out the Sports Talk replay as well on Mondays at 11 a.m. It goes live on YouTube at 11 a.m. So like, comment, subscribe to that as well. Let's get into the fourth quarter closeout, man. Let's get off some awards. We had a good spirit of podcast, man. I appreciate everybody indulging me in this time. And uh, hope we delivered these content for a good long while, man. We just the beginning, man. Just the beginning. We're just getting going. Just getting going. A lot of energy, man. A lot of energy. But yeah, let's give out a breakout play of the week, lockdown the fan of the week, and big dumb of the week, man. Let's do it. All right. So we holistically NBA now. The NFL has ended. We watched the Super Bowl and it's over. You know, cry a little bit of a tear because we don't have football anymore. But basketball is getting going hot and heavy, man. So uh, we've been talking about these boys all podcast. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, from a breakout player perspective, Devin Booker. Devin Booker this last week from Tuesday to Tuesday, Tuesday to Monday, I guess you can say, because Tuesday hadn't happened yet. Tuesday to Monday, he's averaged 31 points a game, 5.0 rebounds a game, and 4.3 assists, and a 5-0 victory uh, in, I think they're 5-0 in the last five games. Um, so, yeah, man, got to give him credit for being, uh, you know, a catalyst in the Suns' rise to dominance, man. They've been doing their thing. And the Jazz, the Jazz, uh, the large part, oh, it's Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell's uh, garnered 28.0 points a game, 4.0 rebounds, and 6.0 assists for his Jazz team. And they're number one in the division. The Suns are number two. So they're doing it big, man. And they've gotten some good victories over the 76ers and and teams like that, they, uh, you know, I think they both beat the 76ers recently. So, yeah, Celtics as well. They're in that boat. Um, you know, so I'll be, it'd be great to see them play soon. Hopefully they get to play each other soon. I want to see the Suns and Jazz go head-to-head. That's going to be a good one. That's going to be a good one. But, yeah. Yeah, but uh, definitely give uh, Devin Booker and Nadia Mitchell kudos for being breakout players of the week. Now, lock down the fit of the week. I, this, I really hope this man, you know, I, let me, I'm not going to say hope. I'm, I'm just going to say I wish that somebody else, you know, supersedes this man on my daggone list. He just keeps making it. Giannis Antetokounmpo, man. I mean, just in the last week, he's gotten 43 rounds over three games, six steals, and five blocks in three games. That's his total for three games. It's not it's not a, a, a league average or just all for the year. This, that's three games of totals. 43 rebounds, six steals, five blocks. I'm understanding truly why he's the defensive player of the year. I really get it now. I really understand. I watch his numbers from week to week, and it's just ridiculous. He fills up a stat sheet. He really does. Now, an unsung hero in this particular aspect, though, is Jacob Polite, I want to call him, from the Spurs. Um, you know, I guess, you know, one of those uh, guys that uh, don't get a lot of fanfare, obviously. But uh, in his last three games, he's had 27 rebounds, four steals, and nine blocks over three games. So, got to give him credit for being a great defender. Him and Giannis have been doing their thing hot and heavy, and they've been putting up big numbers from the defensive side, man. So, we got to give him credit. So Devin, Donovan, Giannis, and Jacob will give you all credit for being breakout player of the week and lockdown defender of the week. Now it's a big dummy of the week, and this shouldn't be a surprise. I kind of, I feel like I kind of give it away a lot of times in the podcast recently. It is not a secret. Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer for his tone deaf hire of Doyle 
and the, his uh, racist history, you know, tries to bring him into a locker room full of grown African-American men expecting it to work. Double down on the hire. It was comfortable with the hire and the fact that you thought that that was going to work out well. And that calls into question for me what your coaching career is going to be like. I mean, are you really going to be able to reach pro athletes on top of college athletes? You did pretty well with college athletes, but there's a whole different dynamic. They are trying to make it in college. But the pros have already made it and probably make more money than you. So, uh, you know, they got kids of their own, so they're not going to let you talk to them like they're kids. Let's just be honest about the situation. So, uh, yeah. So to uh, Urban Meyer and Doyle, and anybody had anything to do with that hire, you get the Big Dummy of the Week award. You big dummy. So that's going to wrap it up, man. Like I said, as always, like, comment, subscribe to the content. And uh, definitely, you know, look forward to more great things. We got a good uh, sports talk coming up this Saturday on Twitch.tv. Slash sports. So check that out. We appreciate everybody's support and they love, man. In the meantime, in between time, I'm your man, Coach Defense. Step up and lock it down.